Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome back to episode 100 of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by both Brian Joyner and Matt Collins of Over the Monster to celebrate the World Series victory of the Boston Red Sox in 2018. Damn, it feels good for this to happen, and uh, that it's happening on our 100th episode is pretty damn cool, too. So, guys. That is some amazing long-term planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, this is why we skipped the Phantom episode 97, in case you guys have noticed <laughs> that. So, um, yeah, it's awesome uh, that this thing happened. A uh, little bit of uh, details to get him out of the way so we can kind of talk about this. But the reason why this Red Sox club is being talked about as the greatest club in Red Sox history is because they defeated a 100-win Yankees club, followed by a 103-win defending world champion Houston Astros club, followed by a Dodgers team that had been to back-to-back World Series and was third in baseball in run differential, which by Pythagorean record pretty much put them at about 100 wins as well. So... Uh, the, the slate that these guys faced was just about as good as it gets. They went 11-3 and in the playoffs, finished with 119 total wins, um, and a lot's been made about how many runs they scored with two outs and running in, runners in scoring position, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, guys, what's your reaction to this whole thing? I'm pretty fucking happy about it, I'll say that. Um... And we were all right. Shit, man, yeah. Five games. Every single one of us, we were so petrified of that prediction, and it ended up coming true. 
it was pretty close to not coming true, but I'll take it. Yeah, it sure was. There were a couple moments there where this series could have gone either way. Um, but do you guys agree? I mean, let's talk about this right off the bat. Is this the most talented, most accomplished Red Sox team of all time? I mean, there's no argument against it. At least very accomplished. And they won 108 games and then rolled through a crazy uh, playoff gauntlet. The only person yeah. I've heard not agree with it is Harold Reynolds. And so I think that tells you all I need to know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 not just the playoff performance because oh, it's the regular. I think it's the regular. It's everything. Form, but yeah. it's just it's everything. Um, I think Nate tweeted before the game yesterday, Nate Silver, that they were top ten by their models, a top 10 historic team. Do they have a top 10 historic list out right now? Well, if they have it out, um, that should be something we could check. They have something. I don't know when it was from, but I was looking at it um, to write something the other day. I have my methods. I might be able to get access to the proprietary information. Yeah, I won't tell you how. That's pretty cool, though, that they're in that conversation. And, you know, all the articles that I've been reading today, because I've been, you know, just trying to read as much as I possibly can about this whole thing, um, say that it's really between them and the 1998 Yankees. And, uh, you know, I did the head-to-head comparison this year between them, the Yankees, and the 116-win Mariners. And I honestly liked the Red Sox roster more, and that was before – you know, the Red Sox turned out to have this amazing bullpen uh, that was just lights out. So, in my mind, this is about as good as it gets for a baseball team. Yeah, I don't know if I put them over the Yankees. I don't know that I wouldn't either. Um, but, I've said many times, baseball didn't start till 98, so the Red Sox are at least one of the two best teams. <laughs> um, the thing with the Yankees teams... Because they didn't have offensive superstars like Mookie and JD. No. Um, the the ones that won the World Series, at least. No, they, um, they were they were sneakily well-rounded clubs without huge stars. Uh, Derek Jeter actually led that club in WAR that year, and I think he was like a six and a half WAR player. So, and I think. I mean, the role players have been good. I mean, the role players were amazing, obviously. But so were the stars. Like, everyone all year had their chance to be good. And everyone just – it's not that – like, Mookie and JD did it several. But every other player just had a period where they just wrecked shit. And it – along with the other contributions, except for, like, late August, early September, it was fine. And, like, they just rolled – and that turned out to be the outlier in the year, especially given the postseason. They were like, "Say, look, you look back, and if you want to think, but they they were able to think ahead in September from the very beginning, um, to some degree. The, I mean, it, if they if they looked at it at the beginning of September and made a plan to get through two months, uh, it worked because that was just a masterpiece." Yeah, I don't know how much they could plan this 
the way that it it, it went. For sure, I for mean, sure. I just mean that like everything they did was right. Yeah. Well, I think they planned rest, and I think resting their pitchers obviously was important because they leaned on those guys so heavily in October. Um, obviously, they couldn't plan like exact things, but. Um, yeah, I think people that were like super panicking over September uh, are kind of feeling a little stupid and like it's it was pretty clear that they didn't care talk about wins and losses that month. Yeah, I agree. It seemed like they took the, the, the foot off the pedal for that month to get people right. You know, the decision to shut down Barnes and not bring sale back as quick as possible and, you know, things like that. And even the fact that they took their time with Kelly like they did, you know, not pitching him in huge situations and working him back into the circle of trust. Uh, we saw that pay huge dividends. I think the two biggest reasons, and you guys can feel free to disagree with me, uh, for for this playoff run being as dominant as it was is the success of the bullpen coupled with their ridiculously historic ability to score with two outs and runners in scoring position. Would you guys agree with that? I mean, I guess. to me, the two-out thing is bigger than it. I would... Because it was so consistent. Um, and so, it's so nice when it happens. I, the bullpen was amazing, but also, I sort of... I separate Eovaldi off from the bullpen. Well, uh, I consider him his own thing. Um, but otherwise, you'd have, you know... You could pick your poison. Matt, obviously, will say bullpen. But you could have said... You knew that before... Uh, I'm not going to say. I don't know if it, this counts as bullpen, but I mean, I just think it's the starters, mm-hmm. like, but doing everything, and not even their performance so much as just how much they bought in. Um, like Avaldi obviously is a maniac, but everybody, all four of their starters, Por- Porcello was Avaldi in the first like round and a half. Yeah, he was. He was the guy that was coming in game one, game two, the eighth inning. Um, do you so think this these... is going to be something teams do in the postseason as it's sort of like a sort of shifting? I mean, the Dodgers took shifting to a, I think, bad extreme. Um, good for us. I don't know series. if teams. But do you I... think they're going to start? The, the pitching is going to look like look at it like I'm just going to pitch as much as I can in this series and sign me up for that. Maybe. I mean, it depends on the team, I guess. Because, like, if the Brewers were in the World Series, they wouldn't have done that because their bullpen was just insane. But the Red Sox didn't have that kind of talent. So I guess it might make building a super bullpen actually less important. But also, I think what happened with the Red Sox is, I think if you simulated this postseason a thousand times or whatever, I don't know how many times they get this kind of performance from their pitching. I mean, it was just everything lined up perfectly. Yeah, I also want to point out the the fact that I think these guys, these four starters, were willing to do what they did because of how much they like this team and because of how much they like each other and Alex Cora and the fact that, like, these guys are all pretty much lining up outside of his office every single day to say that they could throw an extra inning. And even Pedro, I don't know if you guys saw Pedro talking about it. I think he was talking to Evaldi last night. Um when they won the World Series, and he was basically saying, like, you know, you're a maniac, like, doing this with, you know, the, your contract year. You know, basically the fact that these guys were willing to risk life and limb and career 
to go out and throw like this. And I don't know how many teams like each other and have that much disregard for their body the way that these guys did. Because, I mean, look at how many times Price got up. That was ridiculous. He was up and warmed every day. Yeah, I think every game except for game one of the World Series. And Evaldi in the pen last night? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was... I, that was absurd. He was in the pen uh, game four, too. He didn't throw, but he was in there. Um, but I think, I don't know, I kind of think if you make it this far, your team's pretty close, and most of the guys are going to do. I mean, they've been working their whole life to win a World Series. I think most MLB players would be willing to put their body on the line, whether it's smart or not. But um, I don't know. This is a special group of pitchers, and I think that's the thing I'm going to remember the most about this postseason. Yeah, it's remarkable. I, I want to get to some of the stats because they are just insane. Uh, like I mentioned before, 53.6% of the runs in the postseason scored with two outs and runners in scoring position. Fewest losses by a World Series team in over a decade. Um, for the entire playoffs with uh, two outs and runners in scoring position, the team batted uh, with a 1,347 OPS, uh, <laughs> which is – that's like Barry Bonds. In uh, the bullpen as a whole over the postseason, which we were, you know, shitting our pants over headed into the the postseason, uh, had a 187 batting average against and a 271 ERA throughout the whole thing. And and I want to point out a few individual performances here. Uh, Kelly finished with 11.1 innings pitched and a 0.79 ERA. Barnes 10.1 innings pitched, a 0.87 ERA. Brazier, 8.2 innings pitched, a 104 ERA, and Nate the Freak Eovaldi, who does everything, 22.1 innings pitched, 1.61 ERA across everything that he did. Jake, what was uh, what was that OPS exactly? Uh, 1347. 13. Jeez, okay. <laughs> Bonds had three seasons above 1347. Yeah, that's I was just curious because as soon as you said it, I wanted to see if it was true. In, <laughs> in his four big years, he was right around that the whole time. <laughs> that's absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I mean, like I said, he simulated a thousand times. That's not happening more than a couple, but we're in the right simulation, I guess. That was something to watch. The wild thing about this is. You know, you guys probably read as many of these articles as I did. You know, people like Lindbergh and all these other people trying to disprove this clutch factor. But every time you looked at it with the Red Sox, even through the regular season, they were a great team with two outs and runners in scoring position. Like, clearly not this good as they were in the playoffs. But this was a consistent thing for this team all year, and it was led by Mookie Betts. In the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this offense, I think there's some aspect of clutch or just relentless or however you want to phrase it. But I think it's mostly that they're just, they're really fucking good. They have so much talent that, um, and all these guys, even when they're not hitting well, they usually put up good at bats and that can just lead to good things happening. Even if you're not the guy to do it, you're making the pitcher work a little more. So, um, yeah, I mean, this there's something to be said about the atmosphere in the clubhouse, but I think it's mostly just about how talented they are. Really is amazing. Really is. 
Um, the, one of the, the things that I'm going to remember from this World Series is that Sale, JD, Mookie, and Xander really didn't dominate. In fact, a lot of them struggled through they the World bad. Series. Yeah, I mean, Mookie was flat out terrible for most of it. JD was injured, so I think that that, was, that definitely affected him. Sale wasn't great, and Xander was not great either. He had like a 650 OPS. Or maybe I'm surprised it was that high. It might have been 6:30, but it wasn't. It wasn't great throughout that. In the fact that like in the World Series, or uh, he had a he had a 4:22 OPS in the World I Series. I think it was through the postseason. He might. Okay, have like yeah, that makes more sense. But, yeah, because he was bad. Like guys like Vasquez seeing the ball well, you know, Pierce doing what he did, it, just performances from guys Jackie Bradley Jr. that you just you didn't expect. Uh, the fact that it came from those guys was remarkable. And and by the way, I, I read uh, MLB.com. They had a um, – it was a list of the top ten World Series percentage and it hit the playoffs, the Red Sox. And um, Mitch Marlin's home run is in there. And it's like that home run was huge. Oh I yeah, mean, that changed everything. That, yeah, that that's uh, that was one I like, and yeah, but yeah, everyone uh, they just they came up with it over and over and over. I mean, Steve Pierce after that Mitch Moreland home run tying up that game like that, those two guys, Brian, like you said, those two guys changed the whole series. If those two well, hits don't don't happen. Then we're talking about a 2-2 series in L.A. for Game 5, and the momentum has completely shifted. Yeah, I mean, that that is true, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, it's like Pierce and Mookie, in, in my mind, by the end of the series, sort of switched places. And and then when Mookie hit the home run in Game 5, sorry, Game 5, game five uh, when he hit the home run, I was like, oh, well, we're clearly going to win now if Mookie's hitting home runs. Oh, the game was over by that point. I thought game five was over when Pierce hit his home run in the first inning. I oh, mean, me too, but... But then the but I was home run. Yeah, that, that scared me a little bit. But I don't know. The Red Sox, once the Red Sox got a lead, I just did not see them losing it. Price um, was a monster, man. He was a monster. No, it was incredible. And um, speaking of Price and Pierce. I thought Price should have won the MVP. Um, but I kind of think it's fitting that it was Pierce just because, he, like you said, they had so many of these performances from like these role players. And so it just feels fitting. You can't give it to everybody, so it kind of feels fitting to give it to a role player instead of Price. Um, and Price got, Price got the biggest victory of all. The biggest fuck you to everyone. <laughs> he didn't miss his be, chance how in that could press you get conference. Anything either. better, you know? Oh, I don't think he. I don't think he. Pierce strikes me as a guy who's going to use that truck more than Price would. I'll say that. I tweeted that last night that he is actually going to drive that truck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Yeah, that was a pretty nice truck. But uh, I, let let's get to the Price quote here. Uh, he said it was at, it was tough, absolutely. Price said in response to a question about the difficulty of overcoming his reputation for pitching poorly in the playoffs. To answer that question in spring training, day and day and day and day, over and over and over and over. Anytime it got to September playoffs, 
I hold all the cards now, and that feels so good. I can't tell you how good it feels to hold that trump card, and you guys have had it for a long time. You've played that card extremely well, but you don't have it anymore. None of you do, and that feels really good. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's just so up the ass of everybody who criticized He us. is so... He's so happy right now. Um, he kind of... He, I don't know if you saw him talking about his elbow, too. Um, someone asked him about how he pitched so often in the World Series, and he said... Remember that magic elbow quote, or whatever it was? Yeah. Um, he brought that back up and was like... Just basically like, you guys all made fun of me, and now you're seeing... Uh, <laughs> that it was actually true he's like i could pitch again tomorrow and i would have a problem these he's fucking rolling with this and i love it <laughs> he's got his calcified ucl that he can just throw anytime he wants i mean we'll see what happens but this is i don't know how he did that what he did so let's talk about those three heroic performances eovaldi's performance pierce's performance and price these three were the ones that were kind of up for the uh, MVP. These are the guys we were talking about. I want to get to Eovaldi first here. How did you guys feel about that performance from Eovaldi in Game Six? When I mean uh, Game Four. Game, three? He, game Game Yeah Game Three. It was Friday night, right? So that, yeah, it was Game Three. It was Saturday morning. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, when he went out there, six innings, uh, like 97 pitches or something like that, and he was basically tossing 100 after throwing back-to-back days. That was the most impressive pitching performance I think I've ever seen. Um, better, was... than Pedro, better than Pedro against Cleveland? Yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up. Um, for me, it was, just because that 99 series was, like, the first playoff series I watched, and I didn't really know what was going on. So I didn't really have the proper context for it, I guess. Um, so that doesn't really count for me. Pedro's is probably more, like, objectively better, but I, what I saw from Evaldi, I don't, I've never, like, felt that way while I was watching somebody pitch. Yeah, you were also, bad. like, in a, it's a hallucinatory state. Uh, that was... <laughs> No, I, I didn't start hallucinating until like eight o'clock the next day. But yeah, that game that game was insane. I'm gonna remember that game more than anything, which is funny because it's the only game they lost. Yeah, you know when I so I went to sleep after the um the Kinsler thing because I was just like, no, I just no, you know, I got kids. So I woke up. And I was just expecting the Red Sox not to win because they're it's a road game and extra innings. So. Um, and I wake up and I see the score. And just some time goes by and I'm just like, see people just, I see the Eovaldi lost and seeing people saying great things about him. I was like, yeah, he was great. But like, if they lost, you'd probably right after I went, like, oh shit, it went 18 innings. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry, Matt. That game ended uh, 45 minutes before I had to go to work. I actually thought it was still going to be going when I had to go to work. That's absurd. Totally. It was crazy. I went to bed at 3.01, so right after like the 16th inning had ended, because yeah, I just kept falling asleep. I mean, the thing was, that game, nothing really happened between like Kinsler's error and that home run. Like Neither side was doing anything. No, it was a battle of attrition at that point. Yeah, It's like oh. the hockey games that go forever. Yeah. And just someone, someone score a goal, come on. I, I like what, hit a homer. I like what a rallying cry that was for the club, though, because 
you know, all the reports, Cora basically talking about it was saying, you know, everybody was coming up to him after that and saying, hey, I'm available to start. I'm available to pitch the next day. You know, Porcello's talking about how he's watching this performance and crying about it because it was so heroic. I mean, it, this clearly overcame any feelings that a team has about being deflated by a huge loss like that. Like any other time a team loses a game in 18 innings in the playoffs and have to use that many guys, the thought is that that team's going to feel deflated. It's going to feel like losing two games. That's the old cliche. But I think that Eovaldi completely erased that feeling for this clubhouse. I think they felt like they won. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, I mean, they all, and because they also they they also knew, they only got one Walker Bueller. He's not starting again. Right. Um, I can't believe Walker Bueller didn't pitch again in that series too. Yeah, Dave Roberts was not. I wasn't into what they did for a lot of the series. I mean, as a Red Sox fan. We didn't see uh, as much Urias as I thought either, and Urias was awesome. Yeah, he's – I mean, I think he only pitched back-to-back games like once the entire season. I don't think he was ever going to be a huge part of it. Um, but game three, I mean, obviously Evaldi should be the biggest story, and he deserves every bit of praise he gets probably more. But um, Nunez – Nunez was he died like five times <laughs> he died for our sins and he couldn't leave the game it was unbelievable every and he time, started he, game four yeah he, he couldn't even stand up every time something happened he just ended up on the ground it was unbelievable I that guy has taken some shit this year but he that was as gutty I think that was as gutty as what Evaldi did I mean he literally couldn't move and he was just throwing his body around everywhere yeah, he uh, he re-upped today. He said he's coming back for that five million million dollar option too. We knew that was gonna happen. He said uh, on uh, with the uh, the post game guys that uh, Cora's biggest thing is that Cora makes him feel like he's a better player than he actually is. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty cool quote. Did you see Cora talking about Nunez? No. Saying he's the most dramatic player he's ever been around. <laughs> Every time he gets hurt, he acts like it's the end of the world. Oh, yeah, he was he definitely said, playing that up. Oh, well, he said – he kept saying – he said that every time he fell, Nunez is yelling, don't take me out, don't take me out, and Cora is yelling back, we can't take you out, we have no more players. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. But uh, let's let's get to Pierce here for a second. So so Pierce has the big home run in the, the Houston series. Pierce has basically every big hit in this series too. I mean – Brian and I were talking about Pierce last time, too. I know we were both talking about him as an X-Factor, and uh, you agreed, Matt. I mean, we all kind of thought that that Pierce was going to have something to say about this series, especially with as many lefties as they had. But, I mean, man. Dombrowski. You're being very kind to Matt right now. That's very nice of you. <laughs> I don't think I said anything bad about Pierce. I definitely took the um, Muncie over him, but. Yeah. Well, I I think I t- I took the Red Sox. You wouldn't have taken Muncie if you knew he wasn't going to play half the time. Yeah, well that's that is true. Yeah, so I mean Pierce, obviously this is why I was so high on him, right? Like this is what I thought was had the potential for happening in this series is Pierce having this type of an impact, and even this exceeded anything I thought was. I was going to say nobody possible. could have predicted this. No, no, but you know like this is insane. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's just. just 
it's it's tough to explain. But the the way that he played, there's no way that this team comes close to doing what they did without Steve Pierce this year. And Dombrowski has to be just like sitting back, giving the double bird to every single person who criticized them at the deadline because Eovaldi and Pierce basically are the biggest reasons why this postseason happened the way it did. The Blue Jays paid money to trade Pierce. It's insane. I totally forgot about that until last night. People On top of that, and Jake uh, uh, alluded to this uh, intentionally or not, but it would be right either way, that uh, he also contributed on defense with those absurd stretches. <laughs> yeah. like, like, did, did he pu- pull down of nowhere? <laughs> yeah, he was. he's not a defensive player. I don't know where that came from. But you're right. He made a huge impact defensively. Uh, huge, huge playoffs for the University of South Carolina, too. Jackie Bradley yeah. Jr. and Steve Pierce getting MVPs. Both MVPs, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, let's get to Price, though, because we, we, we talked about Price's quote. We talked about Price a little bit. Here are Price's stats for the postseason. 26 innings pitch, 346 ERA, way better than he's ever been. But over the last 13.2 innings pitched, where Price became playoff Price, he had a 198 ERA and was pretty much pitching all the friggin' time and ended with three straight wins, including seven-plus innings in the World Series clincher on short rest. The narrative is done. Bury it. Like, I I can't say shit about him forever. Like, <laughs> no one can. He's... We weren't. You were. Yeah, but, like, I, you know, he hadn't done it. And now he has, and that's that's it. Like he was okay, to... okay. But uh, I thought I was thinking about this earlier because I do find it interesting. Because when a player gets in the position of you have to, because he didn't have to. The, the one the one thing is definitely true on every level is he didn't have to be this good to, like, shake the monkey off his back or, like, to not bear the burden anymore, you know? Like, this is something extra. Um, But if the only way he can sort of get rid of this problem is through the playoffs, is it fair to, during a season, hold it against him proactively like looking forward to the following playoffs that's the only thing it's like people only they only fall short until they don't um i don't know you know i just you you hated him hated and i i'll i'll defend myself as to why i did and i'll go into it right now uh price before the postseason led all pitchers with 60-plus postseason innings in ERA. Like, he was historically bad in the postseason. And the thing that frustrated me the most about David Price up until really the last month and change of the season was that he was not changing the way that he pitched. I remember doing a midseason analysis of how Price was pitching, and this was still when he was overly relying on his cutter. He hadn't changed a lot of things. He was throwing a tremendous amount of hard pitches, he basically stopped throwing his change up in his curve. Like he wasn't doing those things anymore. And I couldn't understand why a guy with reduced stuff at 33 years old was not changing what he was doing, even though he knew it wasn't working. 
And so that was what made me think this guy mentally doesn't have the ability to accept that he can't do it anymore. But then he changed that. He did. He changed that a while, like May June ish. He changed. I think I want to say he changed like really doing what he did against like Houston in those guys a little bit later because even when he started to have success in the second half. He was not throwing the changeup near as much as he was towards the end. And the changeup became the reason why he was the David Price that we saw. I guess, but I mean, he was throwing his changeup 21% in June, 23% in July, and then he got up to 27, 28. But I mean, he was throwing it. I think he, I mean, he said something, I think it was around June that it kind of clicked that he made that change. Um, I don't. Know, I think he. I don't think he gave enough credit for when he changed. I think because he he stepped up in a huge way when Sale got hurt, and that was right around the All Star break. He definitely did, but I think that that change took a lot longer than I thought it should have for someone with reduced stuff like he had. I guess, but it doesn't really matter how long it took now because it worked. No, I I totally get that, but that's why I took the stance that I did on Price. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I didn't think it was fair. And I don't think it's fair now, but the good part is it's over. David Price has all the cards now, Jake. That's right. He's back on Twitter, too. He can uh, he can tell me to stick it up my ass, so that's fine. I'll do it. He cried during his press conference, too, yesterday. He, uh, someone asked him what it meant to be a good teammate, and he started crying. It means doing treatment with the Evaldi after everybody's still on the bus. That's what that means. It means playing Fortnite with Evaldi before Game Five. You really love that was Evaldi. awesome. That was awesome. The, someone was relating the Evaldi anecdote that like he was. I don't remember who it was. It was probably Ken Rosenthal because he's creepy. Um, <laughs> but he was like after the game. David Price stood by Nathan Evaldi the whole time. He sat next to him on the bus, uh, went back to the like, and there was no like, and then they but it was just like he sat next to him the whole time. He shared an ice bath with him. It's what I yeah what okay. Is he trying to say that Evaldi is the reason Price? No, he's trying to say that Price was a good teammate because he stuck by Evaldi, but like. You don't need to be stuck to a person to stick by them. Um, but it worked, so you get those guys are. That sounds like a great buddy comedy. I would, I would pay. Evaldi is legendary in the MLB for being a good teammate too. He's like so one of these Price. legendary good guys. So is Price, and I never Price never got enough credit for how good of a teammate he is. He, he still doesn't. Everywhere he's gone. Um, Pitchers, especially young pitchers, talk about what a great mentor he is. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's awful with the media. That's probably why he doesn't get the credit he gets for that. But right. I mean, he's a he's a leader. Um, but he's, he's a number one clubhouse guy on that pitching staff, I think. I still have to say that I don't think that the way that he acted towards the media and some of the things that he said and airing things out in public are good examples for young teammates. But I agree with you that he's a great teammate. I think, it's, I think everybody should deal with the media like that. And I, I also like... You're part of the media, Matt. 
no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. If I don't Matt, talk to you're them, like, then I'm Matt, not. you are you are like you got one foot in a in a stream, so we can see on your pant leg that you've been standing in the stream. Um and which is it's not P. So we know it, you've been or you've been sports riding, sir. Um uh, but it's he's he's weird because he strikes me as fundamentally similar to the people he dislikes. And I understand his antagonism because or insofar as that like I can't understand like what it is to be in like baseball celebrity culture. Like that's I don't know what that's like. But I imagine it's annoying. So um so factoring that in, except for the egg thing, which just sounded mean, like just don't be an asshole. Like you'd be an asshole to reporters and fuck around, but don't you scream at people because Drellick made you mad. That's probably fine. But don't yell at that. Come on. Other than that, nothing he's done really has bothered me. And uh, it's so... It is very, very cool for him. And now, Jake, what does he do? I was just going to ask you that, so I'm glad you asked me. I think he's going to stay. I don't think it entering his age 34 season that he's going to opt out and get more than 4 and 127 on the open market. Um, and I think and he will he, never be booed again. No, no. And he's he's <laughs> settled in here. He loves his teammates. I don't think he's going anywhere. But I do think that if he were to opt out, that he would get a deal, especially in the thin p- pitching market the way that it is, that is close enough to that deal that the players' union wouldn't really – care that much if he opted out i don't think he'd get anything close but look at who's on the market it's like corbin yeah. and nothing i i mean i don't think free agents are getting paid anymore especially not when they're entering their 33 age 33 season uh i think it's his age 34 season 33 okay i'm looking at it right now okay um, uh, i agree with matt yeah, I mean, I think like the Harpers and the Machados and those guys are going to get paid because they're so young. But guys who are 30 and older, I think they're done getting paid. So what's the percentage you guys put on an opt-out? Five. Sure. Hey, Jake, I, I want to add something to the agenda on the fly here. Yeah. I feel like it might be covered in the questions, but I think it's important to get to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with Matt. What were your favorite moments of the playoffs in general and the World Series specifically. I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, you are. Um, fuck. The, you can start, you can work backward. Um, the play, just, start, uh, just start, start with the World Series. All right. Um, I guess, does Evaldi count? Like the game three of Evaldi? I already said sure. that's what I'm going to remember the most. So I know it was ended up losing, but that that's what's going to stick with me. In uh, the playoffs, I guess Ben Intendi's catch, in that absurd Astros game. Oh yeah, that was a great catch. I mean, I think that's probably those are probably the top two. Oh man, um, I don't know. Can I just say like Steve Pierce? 
like just enjoying the hell out of Steve Pierce. Everything that he did. He had my favorite moment maybe in the ALCS. I, I think he had my favorite moment in the World Series, the way that he stepped up in Game 5. Um, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't get much better than that for me. Is just a role player like that having his moment and doing it the way that he did it. I, I'm all about Steve Pierce right now. Have you heard he's a Red Sox? He grew up a Red Sox fan. Mm. Did you hear that? I have heard mm. that from a couple. Big of if true, big if true. Um, I would say, like my favorite specific. These are basically the same thing by two different players. Um, and also, like I love Moreland's home run. I'm just sort of going for little, not the obvious ones, and then Nunez's home run in game. Yeah, one. I was gonna say that too. I was just gonna bring that up. Um, that one, and then I think JD, and I think it was against the Tigers. I can't remember. It was on a very similar pitch. It was down and in, and he had a home run or a double, and it was just one of those things. It was the the I don't remember who it was, but it was like the guys like Alfred Payton when they were guarding Steph Curry the other night, and he literally dribbled into his face a triple team and shot like a 35 foot three pointer. Uh, like it was nothing. Um, and he just literally just shrugged. Like, what am I going to do? Um, those just hitting that pitch one by a guy you expect to hit it. And one by a guy you don't, when those things happen, it just, uh, it makes me happy. And it makes the other team so scared. And that's what I love about it. I got a uh, old takes exposed on that uh, Nunez home run. I saw you, but you know, that's not, that's so, I saw that and that's just a misapplication of that thing. That's, yeah. I don't know. I want to point out a couple other. uh, That's not a take. Saying Eduardo Nunez has not hit well is just like a fact, you know. I I I was fine with it. I think one of my favorite moments was the the Brazier get back in the fucking box thing. I still think yeah, that, that moment was, good. was, That's good. was a, a game changer in the playoffs. I really think that was a tone setter because, you know, like it or not, the Yankees take up a lot of real estate in the Red Sox heads. You know, we, we even saw that, them celebrating New York, New York last night uh, as they won the World Series. So I think that... You know, just kind of establishing the fact that Brazier wasn't going to come in and crap himself again and that he was going to take charge, that was huge. And then the other guy who I enjoyed the most on the opposite side of the ball was Joe Kelly, this entire run. Just like, oh, my God, how did Joe Kelly transform into this? Like, No, you know, this is always inside Joe Kelly. You know it. No. No, no, not yes. like this, dude. Yeah, like yes, this. like this. Yes, no. like this. No yes. way. He's the stage never, is bigger. He's the never stage been is bigger. Good. Jake, I mean, this good? Okay. But, like, he's had this, the whole thing with Joe Kelly is, like, this has been inside of him. The, the whole the, thing. The stuff is there, but he, I think his breaking stuff is different right now, too, though. I think he's, Yeah, it wouldn't be in six weeks, again. But, like, right now it was good, and that's the best part. Everything was working in a way that I've never seen it work for Joe. And he's, He was he's the biggest serious. surprise to me in the whole playoffs. I mean, he um, straight up earned himself a contract with this playoff performance. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if it works like that, but I think, I think a lot of people would agree with you. I'll say that. Might need a closer. Let's talk about Chris Sale being on the mound to close out the entire thing after saying in the spring that that would be his dream. That was pretty cool. Those sliders were filthy. Yeah, I'm glad they got those insurance runs because he wasn't going to be in there. They said he would, if it wasn't more than two runs, he wasn't going to be in there. So I'm glad he got that chance, and I'm glad he struck out Machado to end it. That was perfect. And him that is to the knee. best. <laughs> he was that such was a putz best. in that whole series, wasn't he? I'm so excited to hate Machado on the Yankees next year. And when and when Machado came up, I was like, oh, this is over. This this chump is going to get. They, they didn't say like anything about it on the broadcast, but Kelly and Sale struck out six guys in a row to end that game. Wow. I, I don't know how that didn't like get even a mention. I mean, I guess I think they were excited garbage, that, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it, as it's leading up, you could say, oh, Sale just struck out their fourth guy in a row. Oh, he struck out the fifth guy. I don't know. I feel, I was kind of noticing that. And Smoltz is awful at his job anyway, so. What about Kelly coming off the mound, just yelling F-bombs? Hey, that's Kelly, whether he's good or bad. <laughs> it's just a different kind of F-bomb, but... Yeah, he's uh, he was he was something special. I want to talk about mistakes by Alex Cora a little bit, just because there was... Why? There was one that really stuck out to me that I wanted to... There was one that Matt and I disagree on. Might be the same one. Cora uh, admitted that he made a mistake on that. Uh, game three, Cora. Uh, he, he's pitching. taking one for the team. He's the manager, Matt. Cora pitching to Puig in that situation when Barnes was on deck to me was game four. Yeah, no, game three. Game was, three. Yeah, game three. Game three. What was, the Puig home run? No, the Puig hit in game three when. Uh, Barnes was on deck and Barnes was batting like 200 and he decided to it was the one where oh uh, where Kinsler made the error exactly and Puig hits it up the middle and Kinsler should have made that play but Kinsler slipped but I don't even think that Barnes makes contact on that and I think that that was just such a no-brainer because you had the force play if you put him on as well so I I just I didn't understand that on any level See, Matt, to me, that is a much bigger mistake. I didn't think it was a mistake at the time, so I can't really say it now. Um, I get it, but they got what they wanted. But It worked. Right, but so I'm on the other side of that. So you see, like, as I said, I can't go back and change. For reference, our thing was over whether Erod should be pitching to Puig yeah. in, in, in game four. Um, and at the time, as it happened, I was like, well, he's got a two-hitter in the World Series, and I know he's hasn't pitched a song in a while, but hey, he's well-rested. Um, I understood it. Now, I understand the case against it, but at the time, I thought he had a two-hitter in the World Series in the sixth inning. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, as far as the Puig thing goes, I don't remember. Like, I remember 
thinking about it at the time and deciding I thought it was fine pitching to Puig, but I don't remember the context enough to really tell you why I thought that that was so many things have happened since then. I believe and there was me on was first and third at the time. No, I mean, I remember, I just don't remember my reasoning and yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to, I, I lost enough brain cells this weekend that I don't think I'm ever going to get that reasoning back. Yeah. It's really, do you feel changed by game three, Matt? Like, do you feel like do I feel changed? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> I feel like, uh, Saturday was kind of wild and, I had a lot of customers asking me if I was baked because I was so tired. But... <laughs> Were you baked? If I was baked, I would have been asleep. <laughs> All right. So for this whole World Series run, uh, Cora or Dombrowski deserve more credit. Both of them deserve a ton. I don't want to pick. No, you made me pick. I like this question. You made me pick predictions. So go. Cora, I guess, but I don't know. Actually, no, Dombrowski. Yeah, I go Dombrowski. Wow, I'm shocked. I, I'm gonna go Cora. I, I can't disagree with Dombo, but damn. I mean, They're both at such a high level that it's hard to pick against. Ultimately, them. the talent wins, when right. Dombrowski brought the talent. I mean, this was this was the talk though, right? This was the thing everybody. You know, all the big media personalities, it was all Dombrowski came in here. He traded all these guys. If they don't win the World Series within the next three years, it's a failure. And then we all three agreed before the playoffs started, which is a rarity in its own self, that Dombrowski would and should be like hung up by his feet if the bullpen was the reason why they don't advance in the playoffs. And, man, he's he's. You know, basically yeah. doing a price right now to everybody. Well, I was going to say, the flip, the flip side of that is when they did succeed, he deserves all the credit. Yeah, exactly. If he's going to get the blame, then he gets the credit, too. Um, he was really emotional after they won, too, for good reason, obviously. Yeah, but, I mean, I think he knows. Like, he put himself out there, and he said himself, it's been a really long time since he got to celebrate like that. So I was really happy for him. Well, the other thing is with everyone, everyone on these big teams, now that it um, acts functionally, um, especially among these teams in the playoffs, like like soccer, like European soccer, with Astros, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, you know, those teams. There are some others that can contend, but... The players on these teams, I think that the cultures on all the teams are very, very strong um, because of how good these players are. So when the sort of naturally comes out when it's the only teams you play in the playoffs and you kick their ass. So it's, uh, I loved every second of it. Um, but I'm glad there weren't any more games. Yeah, I'm glad to be finally getting some rest here. Um, let's go with uh, the the big question here. Where does this rank for you guys amongst the four World Series runs? 04, 07, 13, and uh, 18. Where? How would you guys rank those runs? We'll go uh, Matt first. How would you rank them? Um, it's number one for me. And I know it's not going to be for other people, um, but 
I've never followed the team. Well, last year I did too, but I followed this team so close, and it's just it was unbelievable. I don't really know how to articulate just what I'm feeling, but I I said it today. I didn't really feel anything until I started I driving <laughs> until I started driving home from work today, and it like that was like my first time where I wasn't either going to work or going home to watch a baseball game um and i don't know man this is i'm never gonna see anything like this again and i know emotionally it wasn't for most people it's not gonna top 04 or 13 and i get that but for me it's it's number one i don't know why they couldn't do it again next year the way they did it they're not gonna they're not gonna do this again okay i mean I mean, obviously they might, but this is, I mean, this is, we already talked about it. This is one of the best teams of all time. I don't right, right. So that's a separate question, though. This is not, Jake is asking a, an emotional reaction question. Like, that's yeah. a question. For, that, me, it's I mean, three. For me, it's three. And um, obviously, number one, I feel like number one is actually 2013 because, um, 2004 like belongs to everyone in a way that's um two thirds that like the, the reason this team is below 2013 despite being a better baseball team is that it was like it was sort of major league-ish um and they had been so bad and uh this team is the best and uh, it was satisfying as a baseball fan to watch it played at this level but it like it wrapped itself up very neatly it was as drama free as you could get basically with opponents this good and so part of the, 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 the way emotion builds in a series uh, didn't really, I mean, in the ask, it sort of did in all the series for small periods of time. But the, when the team is sort of more organic and the series go longer, um, I feel like it just built more emotion and both short-term and long-term I think it'll end up being number uh, three. I uh, I have this as number two for me. Uh, 04, still number one. I mean, I just, I have such vivid memories of 03 and the way I felt after 03 and 04 being what it was, you know, it was just, it was complete catharsis. And I don't think, I don't think I've ever been more attached to a group of players on the Red Sox as I was to that club. Um, How so, old were you? Oh, I was a freshman in high school, I think. Oh my God, like that's just the perfect time right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I loved everything about those guys. I mean, Bill Miller was like my dude back then, and I I don't know, I just I loved everything about that team, um, and for that to happen the way that it did after what happened awake the year before was just man, that's it's 
for I mean I'm I'm staring at a picture of the 04 club right above my computer I mean I'll always have that there um, but for, for me this was number two because I've never followed a team this closely uh, like Matt said and this team is so homegrown you know some of these guys I've been following Xander forever you know since he was a J2 signing you know I've been following all these guys for for this huge period of time so it's almost as close to the to the 04 team for me um, as it gets and I think that there's a, a sizable gap between those two for me and 07 13 uh, I would have 07 third and 13 fourth and I think the big really? reason why I feel a little bit of a disconnect from 13 was just because you know I was living in DC at the time and obviously I followed it the same way but I didn't have that like that youthful emotional connection to the players in 13 the same way that I did for the other clubs um in a fair amount of the important guys on 13 were like one year mercenary type dudes who came in and like had these just incredible Yeah, it's a years. sports movie, Jake. It was a sports movie. Yeah, no, it really was. It really was. And I will never downplay what that meant for the city and how awesome it was, but like just personally, it doesn't stack up. Uh, and and it, as far as the 07 team goes, that team was just kind of a, a wagon, which, um, you know, we, we know the story of 07. They just kind of steamrolled. But I think that the, the road that 18 took to get here was just – it was unlike anything we'll probably ever see. Well, this team is better than um, – is better than 07, but 07's victory felt a lot more like – once the Cleveland comeback started to gain some momentum, it seemed much more um, by the book as it was happening. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a glacier, just flattening everything in its path. That team was ridiculous. Look at Mr. History Teacher. <laughs> um, should we get to some listener questions, guys? Matt, I'm curious to get your, your final three. Where would you rank the other three? Um, you only gave us one. Yeah, so I'd probably go uh, 13 and 04 um, or 2 3. I don't know. Ask me on a different day and they would be a different order. They're pretty much tied. Um, and then 07's last. I don't really want to downplay it because that season was awesome. And I was 16 during that season, which I feel like was kind of the perfect time to be a baseball fan. Um, that was like my favorite age to watch baseball, but that team just didn't have the same emotional connection. But unless you felt emotionally connected to Kurt Schilling and Jonathan Papelbon, um, kind of did feel emotionally connected to Jonathan Papelbon. Oh, um, and Mike Lowe doubles doubles all that. Ellsbury, Ellsbury is the guy I remember from that season. Oddly enough, she didn't really play that much, but Ellsbury is my favorite player ever on the Red Sox. So. By the way, Brian, I lied about my age in 04. I was a senior I knew in high you were. I, was I knew you were older than that. Yeah. So I was in eighth grade, and I, you're more than a yeah. year old. I was just – I wasn't thinking about the math. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was a As senior. As I said, you're a history teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I remember being in there in 03 playoffs as a, as a junior and just, like, having my heart broken. So that's 04. Yep, love it. Um, let's get to listener questions here. So we have a whole slew of listener questions at the beginning that I'm going to kind of take uh, 
as a whole from Eric Bowers, Logan, Logan Hoke, uh, Matthew Kitson, um, Leonardo Pereira, Dirty Water Rants, uh, Jake Soberman, and Chad Henderson, and a few others uh, about free agents on the team. Um, so we'll get to a few of these. Uh, guys, who do you think is going to be the closer on the team next season? Do you see the team bringing Kimbrel back? Probably not. I don't know. I haven't thought about next year. I haven't either. I haven't really thought about thinking about next year. Um, I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I had to guess right now, I would say they're not going to bring in any kind of big closer, and they're going to kind of let trust core to figure it out. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked. Share, I, I'd be more I think it's more likely that they'd sign Kelly, frankly. Um I think I agree. And figure out be, between Barnes, Kelly, and Brazier that situation. Well I think Barnes would be the easy favorite. Sure. But um I think that is especially with the way Kimbrell was for a lot of the stretch, fine with me. Yeah, I don't think they bring him back. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be Barnes or or Kelly or any of those guys. It could be someone like an Adam Adovino that they bring in from outside the organization too. Uh, but I don't. Just, if they just like drop his name like that's just like oh yeah, if you saw a hundred dollar bill lying on the street, would you pick it up? Yes, I would. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want to sign with the side? I think if they sign anyone, it's going to be Herrera. I don't know do if it's going to happen. But... If if they sign Herrera, do you think he's automatically the closer over Barnes and Kelly? If, yeah. they, if they re-sign Kelly? Yeah, no question. Interesting. I'm not sure if he's better, but um, yeah. I don't think it matters if he's better. I feel like he won't. He, the, the contingency of him signing the deal. Right. Yeah, I think you guys are right about that. But I think we all agree, probably not Kimbrell. Um, do we think that the Red Sox are going to try and bring back either Evaldi or Pierce? Are they going to try? Absolutely. Both? Yes. I don't know if they. I don't think they're gonna get both, but I think they're gonna try. I think they're definitely gonna bring back Pierce. I That's think what I was thinking too. Eovaldi might be. They might be priced out of him because he's 28, and everybody has seen what he just did. The thing with Eovaldi, and I agree with you, um, but I'm curious because he's had so many arm issues, and it sucks because he just put his body on the line in the playoffs. But I think that might come back to bite him. I don't know how much, but I wouldn't be surprised if teams are scared off now. The guy's had two Tommy John surgeries, and then he just, like, he wouldn't stop throwing baseballs <laughs> for a month. Yeah, I mean, you say that, and I understand, like, it comes back to bite him in one sense, but... No, yeah, I mean, financially, I'm not saying like, he regrets it. In the fulfillment sense, like, how, how, what could you... I mean, it's that he pitched and that they lost the game, like, narratively... It's so wonderful. It's great. Like I, so I didn't, so I didn't see until the next morning. Like I got emotional, which I generally do not do about this stuff anymore. When I saw how the team welcomed him back into the dugout. Oh yeah. After the Muncie home run, I was like, man, they knew they saw something special. Like that was, I didn't see, I mean, I saw some of it. Yeah, I'm not saying Evaldi's going to, like, regret what he did in the postseason or anything like that. I'm just saying 
as far as Boston getting priced out, I think they will too, but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he gets less than we're thinking he's going to get. Yeah, that makes some sense. I agree. He has had an extensive injury history, and I think a lot of teams might not trust the fact that he really has changed the degree that we've seen. Um, the next one, uh, should the Sox extend Joe Kelly or re-sign Joe Kelly? Uh, do you guys think they will or should? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to get. I wouldn't go crazy for him. I'll say that. Yeah, me neither, but I'd take him. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, he's. I do think there are, I mean, it in general applies to all positions, but very and more functionally applies to the bullpen and role players. It's like, that's just a value. At any given time, it's just a value proposition. Um, and... Um, it will it may come down to both of them if they want to stay in Boston and take a slight pay cut uh, and whether that's valuable enough to them but we'll see yeah I could see some team really paying him and the Red Sox not matching but if he can come back for something uh, reasonable for him um, I think they should do it because he's been very durable. But this kind of leads me to another question that I wanted to ask you guys. Rethinking the trade that they made with the Cardinals, does his performance now in the postseason and basically over the last year and change change the fact that the Red Sox, you know, have have been thought to have lost that trade? Do you guys change they, your opinion on that trade now? I still think it was a bad trade, but I guess it's not. I don't think it's as bad. Um, yeah, I think they definitely could have gotten more for Lackey. But it's hard to argue um, with how important Kelly was in this postseason. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, Jake, if you believe in clubhouse guys, if anybody does. I do. I mean, Joe Kelly is a clubhouse guy. Yeah. Um, so that counts on that front. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a lot closer than we we thought it was, and this uh, this changes the equation quite a bit. What we got from oh, so you traded Taylor. John Lackey? What? That's not. There's no. Well, how can that trade be bad? By definition, it's. They good. should have traded for prospects. I don't care how good he is, and that's true. He did not want to be here anyway. Um, Michael Chavis, do you guys see him on the Sox next year in any that's, fashion? I thought you were. Saying that Michael Chavis asked us a question. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for checking in, Michael. Uh, yeah, I see him on the Red Sox section. Do you think he's going to break camp with the team? No. What like, do you think? Like August? July, July, August. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Bry? Yeah, it's a, I mean, that seems about right. If he's not traded, I think there's no question. I think it's more a matter of if he gets traded or not. And I don't think he will. And I think if he does get traded, the team that trades for him is going to put him in the lineup anyway. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. If you only have one, Uvalde or Kimbrell, for next year, who do you take? I think if Kimbrough. you ask me in a month. I take Kimbrell. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say Uvalde, but I think if you ask me in maybe even a week, I'm going to know the answer is Kimbrell. But right now, I'm just like riding this absurd high, and I'm just going to run with it. You guys know See the fact that you are you are still high, like you know you're high, but yeah. you still know that you're high. <laughs> but you are wrong. 
because I know I'm as wrong. you know, Kimbrel when Kimbrel is functioning well, he has a talent level. Oh yeah, no, Definitely. that is you know just naturally higher than other. Can I say so, one more thing about Kimbrel? You may. Did you guys see his uh, dad's beard? No, dude. That, oh my god, it's, it's, it's more beautiful. gnarly than his. It is. Yes. It's more metal did you see it, Brian? Yes, I did. I'm gonna DM it to you, Jake. It is okay. a, a sight to behold. Jake, um, just I'm gonna really enjoy shit. this, aren't I? I hope so. I'm gonna feel really dumb if you didn't. Ah, oh, shit! Did I give you the wrong link? Oh my god! Right? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that is that is something. It doesn't look possible. No, like, it, it looks, looks like, like one of those beards beard. you. Yeah, you put like behind your ears. <laughs> wow, that thing. Jake, like, what on. did you think you were gonna see compared with what you did see? Um, I really thought it was gonna be a little bit more like Kimbrel's, but this is this looks like something you could go buy at the store. And just... I've never seen a person with a beard like that. It's yeah, unbelievable. That is that is something. Anybody wow. listening who hasn't seen it, you look at uh, June Lee's uh, Twitter page. He's got it somewhere on there. So I'm I'm taking Evaldi here over Kimbrel, and it's not that close for me. Uh, I just you, you know my problems with Kimbrel. Anybody who's listened to the show before. Yeah, we knew when I knew when you asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's skip to Nate Olson's question. Uh, he asks if you only had to keep two catchers, who would they be? This is an interesting question, especially with Vasky. Um, and who would you sign to be a right-handed platoon with Moreland? Um, insurance for Pedroia, I think that's probably going to be Nunez. Um, Holt. Holt, yep, he's going to be in there as well. Um, let's let's talk about the catcher part of this because I think that's the most interesting one. Uh, we got into an argument about this like three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago at this point, um, and I thought you were insane for not wanting to keep Leon next year. And I no longer think I am, and uh, I'm willing to eat crow on that. So Vasquez looked incredible in the second half of this postseason run. Like, yeah. he didn't really do that much, and I don't think he's that good of a hitter. But if he's putting up at-bats like that, good things are going to happen. So That was the thing. It was just all good at-bats. It was, it was really something to watch. Like, was, you could see him going through it, like, on his face. From, like, the – sixth inning or like ninth inning or whatever in game three until the um seventh inning of game four vasquez was the best hitter on the team for like that whatever it was like he was really 12 seeing innings the ball fresh. Well. yeah he was hitting the ball well sometimes it was fine in the fielders but he was hitting the ball well and he was fouling off uh pitches that were hard to hit and he was taking uh good pitches it was impressive so he's gonna be the starter next year I actually think that if it was it was up to me, and this is going to really hurt the feelings of everybody who is into my Blake Swihart brand right now. You trading Swihart? I would, I, I would trade Swihart with this current team the way that it is because I don't think you get a lot from for trading Leon. And I think that Leon is a better fit for this team defensively with the, the staff as well. Um, and I think that Blake Swihart is the perfect candidate for a team that is 
rebuilding, like a guy that you want to work with the staff every single day. And I don't think that he's going to get that ability here. And I think that if you're going to carry two catchers, you want the second one to be a really competent defensive guy, just like your primary catcher is. So I think that, you know, the way that this team is constructed, it makes a shitload more sense for them to have Vasky in Lyon behind the plate all year than it does to try and work Swihart in there because he's still not a finished product at catcher and there's no way he could be with the amount of time that he got there this year so yeah I do think you need to trade him yeah <laughs> I, I actually disagree really We're flipping. I would get rid of Leon yeah I think at this point I don't think uh, you get much I'm for Swihart either to trade yeah that's basically my I mean, and I'm not saying that Swihart's not better. I think Swihart has the potential to be better than both of these guys, but I just think that they don't have time to wait for him. I'm an idiot. What's that? I said he should be starting before the playoffs or the whole column. I was wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe he would have, maybe they would have won sooner. And this doesn't mean I, I don't like him. I love the guy. I think. There's arguments on both sides for Leon for Swihart. Um and I don't think you're crazy for arguing either side. Um, but I think Vasquez, and I'm a little worried that I'm going too much off a small sample, but also I'm very confident in saying that Vasquez should be the guy next year. He's also very good defensively. Yeah, I think people way overblew his struggles at the beginning of the year, defensively and offensively. I don't think anyone within the Red Sox organization. No, no, no. I'm talking ever about da- No, I know, but like, I don't think they have ever doubted his defensive. No. I mean, they gave him the extension for a reason. Yeah. It really looks like, like Yachty. Yachty's much better, but like you could put him in there. Like he's got. Yachty wasn't always a good hitter. Um, yeah. I- He's got the he's got the attitude too. That's, I mean, I think that he's got the build and the attitude. He I'm might be a he might be a sixty percent approximation of Yeti. Yeti is perfect, right? Knockoff. I think he's got a better chance of being Benji than Yeti, but yeah. Uh, next question comes from Yolo Swaggins, and this is a, a nutso question here. Uh, Raphael Devers <laughs> for Brad Hand. Uh, Get the I, fuck out of here, Yolo yeah, Swaggins. That's, that's Banana Land right there. That's uh, that's a. Wild I mean, one. if your name is Yolo, ask a question <laughs> like that. Uh, next one comes from Smoky Rains, and he says, "At what point did we call the win the World Series play after ALDS game two, spring training, Joe Kelly Fight Club game? Uh, when did you guys feel like this team really was gonna win the whole thing?" I'm writing about this tomorrow, but um, that sweep of the Yankees. Mm. That was the season right there, I think. Hard to argue with Wow. Wow, you mean you thought... I didn't know they were going to win the World Series, but that was... I mean, that put the division away. That, like, you knew that they were for real after after they finished that sweep. Yeah, um... I thought it was when they won uh, game one of the ALCS. Like, it was once they got past the Yankees, once you get past the five-game series, that's what's happened. 
And then they won a Verlander game, and then I was like, okay, they're gonna. I really, I mean, I had that feeling. I had the same feeling you did when they swept the Yankees because it it has always looked to me this season like a Yankee season where like they kick our asses in August and September and then they kick everyone's ass in the playoffs. And that's what it ended up being. But odds are always that it's not going to be that. It just ended up being that. So I didn't feel that at the time because I was just saying, I don't expect this to continue. But it did. I'm going to say I felt it after game two of the World Series when the game ended and I was in the bleachers. Jeez, you guys are like, oh, you're just bragging about being in the bleachers, you prick. <laughs> I'm, the only, I'm the only pure of heart here. What does that mean? I don't know, Matt. What does it mean? What's wrong with my heart? Um... You thought that they were going to win the World Series. No, okay, so I guess you guys took this question more literally than me. I thought yeah, this I team listened. was special at that point. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't listening. I, I don't know. Fair. When did I think they were going to win the World Series? When Steve Pierce hit that. Um, or yeah. actually, I guess when Steve Pierce tied the game in game four. Okay. We want to go that far, but I think That's that. That's a good one. That's that, a real good one. The August sweep was the biggest moment of the series, the season, I think, for me. I think the biggest single moment of the regular season has to be the Mookie Betts Grand Slam. Just in terms of like that was the most yeah, hype. Yeah, that was the most hype moment for sure. Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy, crazy moment. But I agree that the August sweep is the thing that is what I'm probably going to most remember from the regular season. Well, that's the thing with the 2014. They just went on it huge winning streak in August and they just blistered everyone. They went out west and just killed everyone. Um and that's that every month this year, except for September. Uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> Next question, Patrick Whittle asks us, who do you think are the key free agents to bring back? Uh, we kind of already tackled that, so we're going to skip over that. Uh, Dakota Slate asks, why was Drew Pomerantz even on the playoff roster? I don't know, to bring Gatorade to people? This is incredible. I can't believe Pomerantz didn't pitch in a game. I don't remember what it was, but there was – or what – when uh, the Red Sox were up by five in game four, I thought for sure that was the Pomerantz moment for that ninth inning. Yep. Just, like, throw him a token inning, and they wouldn't even give him that. What the hell was the purpose of him being on this? Just an extra lefty? lefty? Yeah. They just didn't need it. Jeremy asks us, is this the worst 119 win of all time? Win team of all time? It's it's the only 119 win team of all time, I think. So, after talking exactly. (laughs) Nice try, Jeremy. We went to college. Uh, Brian, how do I pronounce this guy's last name? Oh, I'm supposed to be looking at the agenda. Mm-hmm. Sidlick. Sidlick? Sidlick. Sidlick? I guess. I have no idea. All, All right, right, whatever. Thomas, I'll, I'll look asks, it up. what are the biggest obstacles to a repeat? Health? Baseball? Yeah. The Astros? Yeah, like you're not supposed to be this good. <laughs> the yeah. Astros well, also, the Nobody's yeah, repeated yeah. in 20 years. Yeah. Oh, uh, Tangent. Who, who? If Harper has indeed decided on the team, who do you think it is? Does is that true? Did I really hear that? Yeah. No, he. I thought it was like hallucinating that one. That's what Boris said. Uh, um. 
the Braves. Phillies. Yeah, I like the Phillies, I think. I don't like the Phillies, but I think that's he would hit a thousand home runs in, in Citizens Bank Park. He should. <laughs> if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Well, if they sign him, they're definitely signing Machado, too. I think they're going to sign both. That would be bananas. Actually, no, I don't. The Yankees are getting Machado. Mm, Yankees fans hate Machado, kind of. Well, the Yankees fans don't run the team. True. I hope they get him that, so they have to hate him. That step on the ankle shit. Is so. It was garbage. I hate Manny Machado. I hate him too. He's a piece he, of shit. But I mean, the fact that he made the last out. It was perfect. Did you see the thing? The K. Yeah, the K. That was amazing. I half thought Sale was gonna drill him in the back and face the next batter at the end of that, that is... game. There was a piece of me that thought he was going to. Because you live with anger. Yeah. I, Sale had nothing on his mind but striking him out. Oh, would have been great though. Just right between the shoulder blades. Oh, the strikeout. Oh man, it would have been terrifying. Don't say that. <laughs> All right, Dan has our next question. Can we still call them champions, knowing that they didn't beat a single team with a better record than them the entire year? <laughs> Dan, very, very uh, nice. Man. That was good. Uh, uh, right. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> uh, when are they going to face real competition? That's for you, man. And uh, what's the most likely thing to go wrong next year after going right this year? That's an interesting one. Health. Yeah. Stars health, and yeah. health and baseball. Yep. Uh, as far as the Red Sox facing real competition, I said that after the win yesterday. Uh, a lot of Dodgers fans got mad at me. And I kind of felt bad because I guess if you're not a Red Sox fan, you don't understand the reference. But it wasn't a shot at the Dodgers. Dodgers are very good. Dodgers are a filthy team. I feel bad for the Dodgers because they're very good, and that was not indicative. It just of keeps happening to them. I, I felt just... like the whole playoffs effectively was, in terms of pressure, as just as a viewer, pressure on me as a viewer was totally reversed. Do you guys think Dodgers fans hate Manny Machado? No. I follow a lot of Dodgers fans on Twitter. I don't think. I think Dodgers fans hate the Dodgers. Okay. Is what I'm kind of getting. <laughs> I feel that they they've they've had some tough they've had a tough run. I feel really bad for Dodgers fans. I don't. It's been a while, and I remember every year of it, which is wild. Um, yeah, one in my lifetime. But I mean, even just like the last few years, they've gotten so close. Last year was worse than this year, I think. But I don't know. I like I have a lot of friends that are Dodgers fans, so I like them. I want them to be happy. Vinny Spooky asks if the MLB reinstated the player-manager position, who on this Red Sox team is best fit to do the job? I, well, I mean, this is, this is um, I don't know. One of the catchers or shortstops or relievers? No. No. Pedroia. It's either – oh, Pedroia doesn't count. He's basically a manager already. Um, it's It's a combination. You have to combine – the personalities of J.D. Martinez and Brock Holt, and that would be the perfect manager. J.D. Martinez answer. is a teacher, and Brock Holt is just a crazy person. No, we, no, we have this totally backward. Just let Alex Cora play. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Yeah, I don't know. Colby Cushing 
uh, asks our next question. He says, what was the best managerial decision made by Cora in the postseason? Uh, and how tall should Eovaldi's statue be when they inevitably build it outside of Fenway? And uh, he asks us about our favorite moment in the World Series, but we already talked about that. So we'll talk about the first two. Every decision Alex Cora made was the best. No, pinch Except hitting, for the one you don't like. Pinch hitting Devers for uh, Nunez in game four. That was big. Or pinch hitting Nunez for Devers in game one. Yep. No, I got you guys, and you're going to agree with me. Starting price in game five. Mm, that is good. That, uh, yeah, that makes me very scared about what's going to happen in the next few days, but it was good. This is, I think this is the second question we've gotten in the history of this show, how, how tall a statue should be. And we got one about what material a statue should be, too. You guys remember that one from way back? Yeah, you guys started talking about metals, and I was very <laughs> impressed with how much metallic... Uh, knowledge you guys have. <laughs> what do you guys think for height on this one? How tall is Nate Evaldi? God damn it. 6'4", 6'5". I really liked that that was going to be my answer. <laughs> is he that tall? I think so. I think he's 6'2", according guy. to Wikipedia. 6'2"? That's not that tall. He's a beast, though. I don't he know. Is. Make him 10'2". Matt, how tall are you? 6'1". God Damn it. Jake and I are not Jake's not 6'1". No, no, definitely not. Um, Ward asks our next question. He says, <clears throat> excuse me, what fact, stat, or result from the playoffs uh, would have surprised you the most at the start of the playoffs? I really like this question. Any stat you want to give about Joe Kelly? Oh, that's where I was going, man. Kelly. I think that's the most obvious answer. I mean, yep. No. Just- no, it's Eovaldi. <laughs> I had more faith. I don't get me wrong. I definitely didn't expect this from Evaldi. I had zero. I didn't want Joe Kelly on the playoff roster. It, yeah. Okay. I'll say it's Eovaldi with the caveat that, like, the stat line includes the game started thing. So you can see zero next to the innings pitch and be like, the fuck happened here? <laughs> um, so there you go. That's that's mine. Uh, it's Joe Kelly all the way for me. Annie Small asks us favorite postseason moment. We talked about that, so we're going to skip over that one. Uh, and then the last one, Kyle says, are the 2018 Red Sox the best team of all time or just the best team ever? What does that mean? I'm not sure. No, this is a great question. Um, I'm trying to think of what's actually the difference between so why'd you say it's a great question? You don't get it either. Because that's – because I – because you have to think about the question. Is he, think, is he talking great. about like how much of a team they are in the sense of like how much they love each other? Like, I think you're talking... too much credit. I think Kyle is just having some fun on Twitter. This is what I'm saying and it's fun for me. Um, but I will say that they are – the time is a construct so the best team ever. They are in the conversation, which is all that matters. It's like the LeBron versus MJ debates. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that it's the conversation between them two is all that matters. So, the Red Sox are hard. I'm gonna say that the the only comparison I can make to this Red Sox team in terms of like how cohesive they are is from a different sport in Boston. I think the 08 through 
2011 Celtics loved each other to the same degree that these Red Sox do, and that is a very unique thing in sports to me. So, Jake, don't say very unique around me. <laughs> Fine. Um, that does it. That does it for this edition of the show. This has been the hundredth episode. It was long. It was good. Um, and uh, we did it, guys. We uh, we've we've been with the the listeners here throughout the entire season, and it's been an absolute pleasure recording with both of you uh, and our many guests over the course of the season. Um, we're gonna be with you again next year. We're gonna be with you in the off season. Uh, we're probably going to make the podcast a little less frequent in the off season, maybe bi-weekly or something like that. We'll talk about it. We'll let you guys bi-weekly know. Bi-weekly mean twice a week? Uh, so, no, no, every two weeks. Um, That's semi-weekly. Oh. Sorry, everyone. No, it's every yes. two weeks or twice a week. No. Yeah. According to Google. No, 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 semi-weekly is twice no, a week. bi-weekly is... Cat, do you know why it's in there? Because people were wrong so often that they added it. Mm, I, I trust Google more than you. Anyhow, um... How could it be both at one time? It's like Aloha. Any closing thoughts on this, uh, this third season of the Red Seat? Aloha. <laughs> yeah, how'd you have the 100 came at the perfect time really did brian how about you um it was uh to me that this one is the most closely i mean this and 07 by far i don't think brian are, the, are the two most closely um associated with the regular season where it just continued through. Um, and it, that's what it felt like, a freight train. All right. We were asking about the podcast, but... <laughs> I, uh, that's I a good like place the, to end it. I like the deep dive there. Oh, uh, I didn't realize you were talking about the pod. Who cares about the podcast? Oh, well, my feelings are really hurt now. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm here. It's been, how, how long is this podcast, Jay? Uh, about an hour and 20. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please go on, rate and review us. Uh, tell us that we did a good job this year or not. Um, and uh, subscribe to us. And we'll be with you with all the off-season news with your uh, World Series champ, Red Sox. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt R.Y. Collins. You can follow Brian on Twitter at, at Brian Joyner, Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJake, and you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. And uh, we'll be with you next time. Bye, shirts. <laughs>